You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. I was in college, our music director, Earl Smith, used to say, whenever we'd sing the old rugged cross, he'd say, that's the Baptist national anthem. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Thank you. That was a blessing. Praise yes. the Lord for that. Well, it's a blessing for me to be here again today. I, uh, this church has a special place in my heart, obviously. I have family here and uh, grandchildren here. That makes it even more special. And I appreciate it. I often want to take time to tell Sunday school teachers and children's church workers and those that uh, do those ministries, uh, let me tell you, that's a crucial place, an important place that you hold. And those who've invested in the lives of my grandchildren, I'm eternally indebted, and I thank you for it. And for Pastor Jed and for the church itself, it's just a blessing to be here and tell you again I love you and thank God for you. And so looking forward to what God might have for us today. Pastor mentioned a number of visitors here. And I want to tell you, if you're in this area and you're looking for a church, I'll just save you a lot of time. You're not going to beat this place. This is where I believe God would have you come. If you want to hear Bible preaching and good good people that love the Lord, I couldn't uh, recommend it any higher. I tell you, I'm serious. I'm not just preaching now. I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) But uh, I mean that sincerely. Okay. All right, if you have your Bibles, please, if you can turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 12. And if you're able to stand, if you would, please, in honor of God's word, we'll read a passage beginning at verse number one. Again, that's Isaiah, chapter 12. And we'll begin with verse verse number one. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. In that day shall you say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we rejoice as did Isaiah at this moment as he's singing praise to you and Lord we've already engaged in that to some degree singing these wonderful hymns that praise your name and exalt you and you're worthy of it as the song said worthy is the lamb and so Father we rejoice in all those truths today just now Lord as we look to your word uh, we certainly trust you would turn it around as I pray that our worship has been a ministry unto you And you've received it as such, but now, Lord, we're looking to you that you might minister to us through the teaching and preaching of your word. Oh, how needy we are today. Lord, I pray that you might open our hearts. Appreciate what Brother Jet said a moment ago as 
He talked about preparing our hearts. And certainly I trust that's the case today that we would come now and say, Lord, speak, thy servant heareth. And may we not just say it, but God, you know the heart. And I pray it would come from the heart. And then knowing, Lord, that if we approach it in that way, that you do have something for us, not just so much collectively, but most importantly, you have for us individually. And could it be, I, I'm more than sure that in a crowd this size, there's someone here who's never acted upon your grace and your mercy in providing the salvation that Isaiah is rejoicing in here. And so if there's someone that's not sure if they were to die today, they'd go to heaven. Lord, I'm so happy to be able to declare that they can be sure of that. And, oh, God, that they would be sure of it today as they would act upon the truth that you make known to them. It's an individual relationship. And so, Father, I pray that as an individual they would open their heart and be receptive to the message today and not just be a hearer of it. But, oh, God, that they would act upon it here in a bit as they have opportunity to do so. Lord, if there's anyone that's lost, I pray that you grace the service today with them being saved for your glory, but for their good. And just now I ask that you'd help me as I stand in this place. I'm in a place of need as well. You know well, Heavenly Father, I have not the capability. I have not the strength and the authority in which to preach and teach your word as it is worthy of. And so I pray that you'd, your Holy Spirit would take over now. You would simply use me as an instrument through which you would speak in order that truly we could leave today saying we've heard from God. And so we commit the service to you now looking for what you're going to do, excited about what you're going to do, and even now we'll praise you for what you're going to do. And thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> You may or may not know, uh, not all psalms are found in the book of Psalms. There's a great compilation of them, obviously, in the book that takes that name. But let me just throw a couple of them at you that are not included in the book of Psalms. One would be in the book of Exodus, chapter 14. You may, record, may recall the uh, occasion that's recorded there where the nation of Israel was backed up against the, sea of, or the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army was pursuing them and it was all over for them. And they began to murmur and complain about Moses bringing them out there. And basically God said, stand still through the mouth of Moses. He told Moses, put your rod out across the Red Sea. And you know the story how God opened the Red Sea. And they marched across on dry ground. Then they looked back and here comes Pharaoh and his army on the same path. And again, stand you still and see the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> And God closed up the Red Sea on that mighty army right. of Pharaoh. You think there might have been some rejoicing about that time? <laughs> Even among that complaining crowd? I'm thinking, yes, there was. In fact, that's the record there in Exodus 14. And it says they sang the song of Moses. <laughs> and it goes something like this. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And chapter 15 then begins, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. <laughs> 
and he has become my salvation. Man, that must have been some song service there on the shores of the Red Sea. In Psalm 22, or I'm sorry, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22, there's another psalm recorded. And kind of in a similar instance, it's after David, as you know, he was chosen to be the next king of Israel. Because God said he has set Saul aside and he's going to remove him. And David's going to be the new king. And David was made known of that. But for several years, it never developed. In fact, there were times in which David really, in the flesh, was about to give up. And he began to wonder if, in fact, it would ever take place. And, of course, the event finally did take place when Saul and his army were defeated and Saul was killed. In 2 Samuel 22, it says, And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. Of course, David knew that God had, in fact, delivered him. He delivered him many times, if you know the story of him running from Saul. But there was a special time in which David finally recognized, God has delivered me. And God will deliver me to the place that he promised to take me. And so again... He responded with a psalm. In fact, it's interesting. If you read through the book of Psalms, you would probably know almost all of them. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe all of them, if not all of them, most all of them uh, are psalms or songs of response. In other words, there was some event that took place or some, some sp- specific condition that was recognized for which the psalmist would rejoice and would praise the Lord for it. <clears throat> Such is the case here In the book of Isaiah. This is a psalm that we just read, the psalm of Isaiah, you could say, as he's responding again uh, to a certain truth or thing that uh, is proclaimed primarily in the previous chapter. Let's just take take time to get it in context here. Uh, Look back at chapter 11. It's not all that long. We'll read that chapter as well because Isaiah 12 is a psalm in response to what Isaiah is contemplating here in chapter 11. Read along with me. Begin at verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing Of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. Then shall, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek. I thought somebody would say amen. (laughs) And his rest shall be glorious and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. 
which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. He shall set up the ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah. Judah shall not vex Ephraim. But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west. They shall spoil them of the east together. They shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab, and the children of Ammon shall obey them. The Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea and with his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river and shall smite it in the seven streams and make men go over Dryshod. And there shall be a highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria like it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. And so then you go to chapter 12 and Isaiah begins to praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> And you may know, if you're a student of the Word of God, that <clears throat> chapter 11 is really speaking about the coming millennium. Right. It's still coming. Yes, that's right. And hello, if we contemplate when it arrives, I'm thinking we might want to be writing a psalm as well. Hello? I'm thinking it might be pretty welcome by the time it gets here. Like today, it'd be fine. <laughs> we know certainly we're going to have to go through a tribulation time but praise God, we that are saved are going to be delivered from that. Amen. We're out of here. And that could take place today. All in favor of the Lord coming and meeting us in the air today. Raise your right hand. Yeah, I'm thinking that would be the whole crowd. Come on, I'm ready for him to come. There's not much left in this world for which I want to stick around. <laughs> I'm ready to go home. At the end of that seven years of tribulation, God's going to destroy all the kingdoms of the earth. And all the unsaved will be destroyed. And we're going to enter into a thousand year reign when our Lord comes back, sets his feet on this earth. <laughs> we often speak of the second coming when he comes to meet us in the air, but that's not the literal second coming. The literal second coming is when he puts his feet on the earth. And we get to come back with him, those that were raptured out before the tribulation. Come on, I keep thinking I'm going to generate a few amens, a little bit of excitement here that somebody might want to write a psalm about it, hello, that you might get excited about the fact one day, praise God, we're delivered from the conditions of this stinking world. Amen. I've said a few times, you know, the real answer for the conditions and the problems that we struggle with in this world, you know what the real answer is? Jesus saves. Yes, amen. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever contemplated what it might be like if the whole world was saved? <laughs> you think it might be a different condition? Yeah. You think? <laughs> if everybody knew the Lord Jesus as their Savior, well, do you know what? When we enter into the millennium, that's exactly what it's going to be like. <laughs> Only those who've been saved will come back with the Lord. Only those who got saved during the tribulation period will remain and when we come back and he sets up his millennial reign, everybody in the world will know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Yes. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, it makes me want to write a psalm about it. Amen. I want to rejoice in some of the great promises Amen. that God has given us, though not all of them are yet fulfilled. Come on, his word is sure <laughs> and they will be fulfilled. Yes. 
And one day we will, in fact, rejoice when we recognize and realize it in a physical sense. But as Isaiah contemplated it spiritually, one day it will take place. Just the promise of it gave him the joy and the excitement for which he wrote this psalm. <laughs> in Isaiah chapter 12. <clears throat> Again, this description here of the millennium describes the Prince of Peace in verses 1 and 2. We're talking about chapter 11. <clears throat> Describes the age of peace in, in verses 6 to 7. Describes the men dwelling in peace in verse 11. Dis, leading to rejoicing and personal peace with God as you come to chapter 12 in verse number 1. And it's all through the fact of salvation because he proclaims it there in verse number 2. Behold, God is my salvation. <laughs> and that's where we rejoice. Come on. In the God of our salvation. <clears throat> In fact, the Psalms that I mentioned uh, there in Exodus and in 2 Samuel also make mention of God's deliverance or salvation. In Exodus, it says, the Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. 2 Samuel, David said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. <clears throat> Again, I'm thinking salvation or God's deliverance is something we ought maybe to rejoice in, you think? <laughs> Isn't it interesting? I don't know, Brother Jet, when you have a, maybe a Wednesday night, sometimes I would say to our folks, as a pastor, I like to kind of hear back from the, pulp, from the pew. And so I have a little testimony time, you know, and people stand and I often have to say before we start it. Now, now, I know you're thankful for your salvation. I want to hear about something else. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, even though I kind of chide them about that, somebody has to say, I'm sorry, Pastor, I still got to rejoice in my salvation. Well, hello, that's where it all starts. In fact, that's where it all ends. It's all in the salvation that God has provided for us. I am what I am by the grace of God. Hallelujah. If I weren't saved, only God knows what I would be. So again, it certainly is something for which we ought to rejoice and praise God for. <clears throat> and so here in, in this passage, in chapter 12, Isaiah begins to rejoice in salvation. And, and he notices some things. I think he kind of points out or calls to attention some, some specific things that we ought to uh, rejoice in when it comes to salvation. He starts by saying salvation is a thing of attention. It ought to get our attention. It ought to have our attention. Amen. Look at what he says in the first, uh, first uh, passage uh, part there in verse number two. He says, behold, behold. Now, behold is a word, hello. <laughs> Pastors sometimes will slap their hands or say, look up here now. What they're saying is I'm, I want to get your attention. There's something very important I want you to hear and, and focus on. And so Isaiah says, behold, behold, wake up to what ought to be the most important thing. <laughs> I believe sincerely the most important thing going on in Sioux Falls, South Dakota right now is what's going on at this church. Believers ought to be in God's house on the Lord's day. Amen. They ought to want to be. <laughs> yes. Amen. 
And how much the more, so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Uh, we're winding down, friend. If there's ever a time you ought to have your family in church, it's now. Okay? And you ought to want to be here. Okay? But when it comes to the message that's heard here, that's what makes it important. The message of salvation. And you say, well, I'm already saved. Well, hello, I still love to hear about it. I've often said I, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. You know, uh, you want to make my day, have me over and feed me some steak and potatoes, you know. Amen. <laughs> and we always hear about, <laughs> always hear about in the word of God, the meat of the word, you know. And Paul kind of chided the Corinthians. He said, I, I'd like to give you some meat, but I can't. You can't handle it. So I'm going to give you milk. And we know, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Come on, as a new believer, there's some simple elementary truths in the word of God you need to start with and really begin to get a handle on and rejoice in. But hello, the fundamental elementary thing in the word of God is that Jesus saves. And I'm telling you, you ought to never tire of that. Amen. Someone says, well, I came to church and all the preacher ever preaches about is salvation. Oh, come on, I know better than that. But even if it were so, you ought to be able to rejoice in it. And I'll tell you what, if you're bringing people to the house of God like you ought to be doing, you'll be glad he's preaching a salvation message. Amen. All that back to my steak and potatoes thing. But you know what I like to drink when I have steak and potatoes? <laughs> Tall, cold glass of milk, brother. <laughs> I never tire of milk. I could live on milk. Come on, as a child of God, I could live on milk of the word too. God wants us to go on, praise his name. You with me here this morning? Come on, things that we ought to rejoice in, the simple salvation message ought to be that. Say, man, preach it, I love to hear it. Amen. Salvation message, behold. <clears throat> I started to say you know, the important thing, you know, people get caught up in so many things for which they give their attention and their time and their effort. And I'm to the age now... <clears throat> People are concerned about your, you know, your investments and your retirement and looking for. And I'm not saying, you know, go to the ant, thou sluggard. We ought to give some attention to some of those things. But I'll tell you what, if you give more attention to that than to where you're going to spend eternity, you, you're, you're all whacked out. <laughs> you're upside down. The most important thing, the old parable of the woman searching, <laughs> searching for the coin, the most, I mean, that message in that parable, uh, the lost sheep, all of that talks about the most important thing. Come on. Yes. Salvation is the most important thing. Yes. Do you know you're saved? I mean, I don't mean do you think you're saved or you hope you're saved. I'm talking about, come on, do you know you're saved? That ought to be something you're in pursuit of. That ought to be something that ought to bring you to the house of God. If you're here this morning and you're not sure of it, you came to the right place, friend. You can find out for sure that you have a home in heaven. The most important thing. Behold, come on, give, give me your attention. Nothing else more important than knowing for sure that you have a home in heaven. So salvation is a thing of attention. Number two, it's a thing of distinction. Look again at verse number two. Behold, God is my salvation. God is my salvation. God made it clear one day when he said, beside me, there's none else. He is the Lord God. Beside him, there's none else. Amen. Buddha is not God. Allah, thank God, is not God. <laughs> when you can go down the list, 
your 57 Chevy is not God. I, don't, I mean, go down the list of what, all the things that people put in place of priority or worship. There's only one God. There's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way. You don't get to heaven unless you come through the way. There's only one way. Come on. I heard this thing. Oh, we're all going different ways. No, there's only one way. And Jesus is the way. God is my salvation. It's Jehovah God. I was, <clears throat> I went to a, our U.S. congressman has, what do they call them, community meetings, whatever, now and then. And so I went to one and, and I got up and said my piece about the need for our country to turn back to God. <laughs> I tell you, that's the answer. Yes, yes. Things we're facing. Amen. Come on, back to the Bible. <laughs> back to the, the very foundation upon which our country was founded. Come on, get your, get your history right. They're not teaching history in school. Yeah, I'm going to get off and chase a long rabbit trail here. I can get off real quick. They're not teaching history today. Here's the history. Our founders determined to establish a country founded upon the truths of this book. No other book. Oh, yeah, they, they looked at some other reference books, but you know the one they looked at the most? The Word of God. And in the books in the Bible that they looked at the most? Leviticus. You want to talk some, some deep reading? Get into that. But it's the law, establishing law, law and righteousness, foundation upon which a country could last. It is suicide. Our country is shooting itself in the head. The farther we get away from God, the more bizarre it gets. God is my salvation. God is the answer for the need of our country. It's Jehovah, not man. Have you noticed? <laughs> the more technology, the more information, the more capability you think. And again, there's a desire, for, it seems, from some of those in the secular realm to, they can establish some sort of utopia, you know. We can make it better and better and it'll become ultimately a great utopia. Has anybody happened to notice it's not getting better? <laughs> I was telling someone not long ago, I said, when I was in school, you know what the, the big problems in education when I was in school? I graduated in 1966. See, I didn't know there was a 1966. Well, yeah, there was. <laughs> <clears throat> it was things like this <clears throat> talking in class shirt tails out <laughs> you know what it is now you know what it is now I said when our little town Clearwater Kansas that I grew up in <clears throat> if there was a natural disaster a tornado or something you know where you went for security and for shelter you went to the public school building that's the last place you go today. That's the first place you run from. How, come on, you with me here? It's not getting better. It's waxing worse and worse. The answer, I'm telling you, mankind will not come up with the answer. Mankind does not have the answer. God is the God of salvation. God is the deliverer. We've got to turn back to him. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. He's the Savior. Jonah, another prophet, who wasn't one you'd really promote much. He kind of had some personal problems, did he not? But I'll tell you what. 
He had a message that'll preach today. You know what his message was? Salvation is of the Lord. Yes. You want a theology in a sentence? That's it. <laughs> Salvation is of the Lord. Doesn't come from mankind. We're not the answer. We can't deliver ourselves. We're only making matters worse. We have to turn to the one who is the Savior, who is the deliverer, the God of my salvation. It's a thing of attention. It's a thing of distinction. It's a thing of faith. Look again, verse number two. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. (laughs) I will trust. It's a thing of faith. I often mention, I may have preaching here before. In most churches, here's what you hear. And I say churches as they define it. In most churches across this city, across this country, across the world, here's what you, primarily, here's the message you'll hear. God is good. He loves us. And we need to do good. And one day when you get to heaven, they got this big scale up in heaven. And you're going to put all your good on one side and all your bad on the other side. And you're going to cross your fingers and hope against hope that your good outweighs your bad. And if it does, then you've got to tick it in. That's what I call the big lie. Because listen, those that know the word of God know that's nowhere found in here. I said that's nowhere found in here. On the contrary, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in God's sight. (laughs) For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Come on, it's salvation by grace through faith. You have to trust God in his word. You know what he says? He says you're a dirty, rotten sinner, and you have no hope, and you cannot save yourself. But I love you, and I paid your debt, and I'm offering you a free gift. If you'll trust me and ask me to give it to you. Amen. <laughs> Praise his name. It's by faith. It's a simple action of trusting him at his word. Yes. Come on. Think, think a minute. Come on. Just think a minute. If we could get to heaven by being good. And why did Jesus come? Right. Right. Well, he came to set an example. Well, he did that. And he, get, he came to do many wonderful things for which we could praise him. Yeah, he did that. But hello, that's not why he came. Why did he come? (laughs) Someone said it well, he was born to die. Follow through with the question, okay, those are some reasons maybe you could answer for which he came, but why did he die on a cross? What was that about? (laughs) What was the crucifixion about? If I could get to heaven by being good, what's the crucifixion about? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about everything when it comes to salvation. If there's no shedding of blood, my friend, there's no remission. Jesus Christ had to come and pay a debt we could not and cannot pay. Someone said, well, the virgin's birth's not all that important. Excuse me? (laughs) If he was born just like you and I, then he needs a savior just like you and I. But the Bible says he knew no sin. There was found in him no guile. Come on, why? Because he was sinless. He didn't inherit Adam's sin and he never did any sin. In fact, those three and a half years of his ministry, you could say was kind of like the old proving period for the lamb that was to be offered as a sacrifice. They had to prove him, had to separate him for a time, make sure they were pure in every sense so that they could be offered there at the tabernacle of the temple. Three and a half years, he was tempted in all points like as we are, 
yet without sin. Praise God, yet without sin. Because if had he sinned, he could not offer himself as a sacrifice or a substitute or as the Bible calls it, a propitiation for our sin. But he could and he did. I say he did. He offered himself in my place for my sins. For what? So that he could pay my price and then give to me, offer to me a free gift called eternal life. And he counted it all joy. You cannot begin to comprehend the suffering, the physical suffering he went through to pay our debt. And he did it joyfully so that he can in turn joyfully offer us a free gift. Why in heaven's name would anyone say, nah, I don't care about that. You need your head examined. You trying to offend me, preacher? If I could offend you enough to get your attention, behold, come on, I would. You need your head examined. If you think that's a bunch of hooey, you need to think again, friend. Come on, tell me where the world's going. Tell me it's getting better. Tell me man has the answer. Come on, you know better than that. Then you need a savior, amen. Why? Because we all need a savior. There's none righteous, no, not one. The wage of sin is death. And come on, it comes to all men. All are gonna die one day. The worst death of all is eternal death. Jesus died so we'd never face that one. Someone said, born once, you'll die twice. (laughs) Born twice, you only die once. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus said he'll never die. Amen. (laughs) This thing of salvation is a thing of attention. It ought to get our attention. It ought to have our attention. It's a thing of distinction. It's only through God, the provision and the plan of salvation is from God and God alone. It's a thing of faith. We have to trust him at his word. Come on, you say, you got all the answers, preacher? No, your pastor does. You can ask him. (laughs) There's a whole lot I don't know. I'll start with this. Why would Jesus love me enough to die for me? Why would God trade his son for me? Many of you don't know me, but I know me. My wife knows me. (laughs) She can tell you. Hush. (laughs) Don't get smug. You know about yourself, too. There's none righteous. No, not one. <laughs> we have no, right, no righteousness for which God ought to let us into his righteous heaven. <laughs> but he loved us so much that he gave his son. Jesus died in our place to offer us that gift of eternal life. Yes. And how do you receive it? By faith. God doesn't say you have to have a doctor's degree in theology before you can understand this so you can act upon it. No, I mentioned it in the Sunday school hour. Jesus took a child and put him in the midst. He said, such is the kingdom of heaven right there. Come on, a little little four-year-old boy, his daddy says, I can jump off the Empire State Building. My daddy can jump off the Empire State. (laughs) He believed him at his word. Come on. Confident, trust, simple faith. It's the same when it comes to salvation. Come on, you're never going to digest it all together. You'll never figure it out. It's beyond, God's beyond finding out. You have to simply say, God, you said it. I do know enough to know that I'm a sinner and I, don't, I can't help myself. I, I know myself 
And Lord, I need you. That's enough. That's about it. All you need to know that Jesus can meet the need and he wants to meet the need. If you'll just turn to him and say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I like what the, what the blind man said. I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Yeah. But Lord, I believe enough that you're the Savior and you died in my place and you want to save me. And Lord, I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. I'm trusting you. Amen. There you are. I've used the illustration a few times. I say, hey, I tell you, I love you. I want to take you to heaven. Tomorrow morning, if you'll meet me down here at the corner, about 8.30, I'll meet you there and we'll go to heaven. You'd say, it's okay, preacher. I'll tell you what. Talk to somebody else. I'll meet you in some other time. <laughs> preacher finally lost it, you know. Well, the fact of the matter is, come on, I can't take you there. Right. Even though I may want to. I don't know, is it the North Star and take a hard right? I yeah, how do you get to, I don't even know how to get there. But I know somebody that does. <laughs> he's called the way. Come on, he's the way. You can get there. He promised you. He'll take you there if you'll trust him. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's a matter of faith. It's a thing of confidence. Look at this, man, I like this. <laughs> this really preaches today. Verse 2 again. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Well, our country's got a good dose of fear these days, has it not? <laughs> i tell you something you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear the Lord. He loves us. He wants us to go to heaven. Come on, he didn't prepare hell for people. People are going to go there. He didn't prepare it for him. He didn't want him to go there. Oh, if our great-grandpa Adam had listened, right? <laughs> It'd be a different world, wouldn't it? God never intended for man to go there. And before the foundation of the earth, he provided a, a plan of redemption, knowing that man would sin. He didn't want him to go to hell. So already he's got in place a plan of redemption through a sacrifice the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the earth. God had it in its place already what he was going to do to provide a sacrifice and a redemptive plan that he could buy us back and give us eternal life. What a God. What a God. So I would say to you today, fear sometimes is kind of a paralyzing thing. In fact, here in a moment, we'll have an invitation. If you're, if you're not sure you're saved, the invitation will be for you to do this. Listen to me now. You can come. It'll be an invitation hymn. We'll invite you to, to walk the aisle, come down here, and someone would meet you and take the Word of God and show you from the Word of God. Just kind of reiterate some things that I've said today, but show you from the Word of God, not just the preacher preaching, show you what God said about how you can leave here today and know you have salvation. Amen. But here's the key. Someone said, the ball's in your court. When the message is preached and the invitation is given, the ball's in your court. God doesn't twist your arm. God doesn't grab you by the ear and drag you down the aisle. No, he's given you a free will and he's given you the option. He's given you the opportunity to act upon what you've heard and make the right decision. But the, come on, the ball's in your court. Well, here's what happens real quick. Fear sets in. And someone said, you've seen the little thing that the white angel on the one shoulder and the black angel on the other and they're talking in your ear, no, no, you don't want to go today. You know what people think. You know how people are. The other one's saying, come on, you know it's right. You need to walk the aisle. 
And so there's a war in our members. <laughs> there's a war going on. And there's a decision. I'm telling you, you don't have to fear getting saved this morning. Come on, I'm telling you, you can walk the aisle. Come on, I'm, I'm going to presume to speak for all the believers that are here today. We'll rejoice in it. You're not going to embarrass yourself or we're going to think, oh, that poor wicked sinner. No, we've all been and are wicked sinners. And by God's grace, we are what we are. And so if you'll respond to the invitation, they'll say, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, no fear of getting saved today. No fear of living right. <laughs> oh, I don't have time to really de develop this, but Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. He's talking about his disciples. If you're going to follow the Lord, guess what? You're going upstream. <laughs> I'm hearing things today. I'm going to speak a little bit to it tonight when you come back. But I'm hearing things today. I don't know if you heard because of all this stuff going on in our country. The God haters, and those on the left are saying things like this. These Christian schools are a problem. They're teaching this patriotism stuff. And they specifically mentioned... Becca Books and Bob Jones University are producing stuff that's fomenting these rebels. <laughs> I'm telling you, fasten your seatbelt. It's going to get rough. Yes. But greater is he that's in you Amen. than he that's in the world. Amen. You don't have to be afraid to live right. Jesus said, come on, you have a reward in heaven. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Praise the Lord. Come on. I'll tell you one of the greatest detriments. I'll tell you one of the reason our country's in the condition it is today. The Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. The problem with our country today is we got Christians that don't live like Christians. We got Christians that are milk toast, that are half-hearted and, you know, worldly-minded, and we're a liability to the whole cause. And the world mocks it and has every reason to. Come on, we need some boldness today. We need some believers with some real, de develop, some real determination and some commitment to the cause of Christ and live for the Lord. Let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> and you ought to thank God we have the New Testament. It came at a high price. <laughs> Every one of those disciples, John's the only one that lived to a natural death, but not because they didn't try to kill him. They threw him in a boiling cauldron of, of oil and he survived it must have been something to look at <laughs> you think I'm bad to look at how did how'd you like to hear John preaching mercy <laughs> but I'm telling you all of them all of them paid the price for their faith and Jesus promised he said listen that's the way it's going to be you're going against the world the world hates you Satan hates you and he's the destroyer and come on we're in a warfare we're in a battle put on the whole armor of God we need it <laughs> But having done all, stand. Don't be afraid to stand. Don't be afraid of living your salvation. No fear of preaching it. I mean, I've heard this thing, well, I'm a, I'm a living testimony. Okay, but back it up with your mouth. <laughs> Put some words to it. We have a responsibility to preach the gospel. Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. Man, he loved it, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, the first thing he hit town, he'd kind of walk by the jail, see what it was like, because he knew he'd be there that night. But he went on to the place where he could preach the gospel Amen. and counted it a great honor to do so. <laughs> we need that kind of Christianity today. We need some Christians, come on, stand up and speak up for the Lord. Amen. 
He's worthy. We sang about it this morning. He's worthy of it. Let our life reflect it. I like this one. <laughs> Salvation's a thing of confidence. No fear of getting saved. No fear of living salvation. No fear of preaching salvation. No fear of losing your salvation. <laughs> Man, what a blessing. Someone said, all this in heaven too. Amen. Pillow my head at night. I don't have to worry. I, have a, I can say without any shadow of hesitation, I know that I know that I know I'm saved. I'm not worthy of it. It's in spite of me in a sense. None of us are worthy of it. But he gave me a gift called eternal life. They that hath the Son, the Bible says, hath life. Not will have life or could have life. No, we have life. It's eternal life. You're looking at a guy who's going to live for eternity. Amen. In the right place. In a wonderful place that God has prepared. I like what Paul said in 2 Timothy. For I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. My confidence in my salvation is not in my salvation. No, my confidence is in the salvation that he has given me. And I'll never lose it. It's a thing of attention. It's a thing of distinction. It's a thing of faith. It's a thing of confidence. Praise God, it's a thing of power. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit's presence in my life. A lot of Christians have bought into what I call the Flip Wilson theology. For Christianity. Some of you don't even know who Flip Wilson is, but he was a comedian back in the 60s and 70s. He used to give this little phrase, the devil made me do it. <laughs> Whatever, the devil made me do it. Well, that sounds good, but the devil doesn't make you do anything. Oh, he's powerful. He's cunning. He sets traps. I'm not saying he's not a power to be reckoned with, but we have a greater power. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come on, we have a promise that Jesus is the overcomer and we can overcome the devil himself. If we'll resist him, he's a sore loser. He'll flee from you. Yes, he will. Praise the Lord. Amen. A power to change. I've tried to change. I've tried to change. How about letting God change you? <laughs> Someone said, let go and let God. <laughs> He can and he will change you if you'll let him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. One of the first scriptures as a young man I, I was told I needed to memorize. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, here's that word again. Behold, all things are new. Come on, when you get saved, you're a new creature. You have a new composition. It includes the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And you have the power. Come on. I'm telling you, you have invested in you, implanted in you the capability to resist the devil. Don't tell me I can't. Can't is not a word that ought to be found in the relationship of God, of God and, his, and his believers and his children. Amen. Can't isn't a word that we ought to even consider. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. Come on. Don't tell me you can't. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you should. Oh, yes, you could. But again, the ball's in your, in your court. You have to appropriate the power that's given you by way of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. <clears throat> this thing of salvation. It's a thing of attention. It's a thing of distinction. It's a thing <clears throat> of faith. It's a thing of confidence. It's a thing of power. It's a thing of joy. <laughs> 
Look again at verse, well, look at verse number two, last part there. It says, I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. <laughs> my song. I'll tell you something that really bugs me. I mean, it really bugs me for Christians. You ever met one like this? How you doing? Well, I guess I'm doing okay. I want to slap them. I'm telling you, I want to slap them. So I often say, are you saved? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, then, brother, put a smile on your face. Yeah, come on. <laughs> One of the preachers out of my ministry, John Schoenberg, said this years ago, he said, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstances, I'm doing all right. He'd say, what are you doing under there? <laughs> what are you doing under your circumstances? Come on, we're more than conquerors. We're supposed to be on top of our circumstances. Yeah, amen. Come on, the joy of the Lord's your strength. Smile at me, I'm on your side. Come on, the joy of the Lord's your strength. Let it show on your face. Amen. Good. Well, I'm happy. Well, <laughs> tell your face about it. But come on, there's, no, I'll never be, no, I'll never be a walking on our lower lip. Can we get discouraged? Can we get, oh, I've, I've struggled with things going on in our country. I gotta tell you, I'm a red, white, and blue-blooded American. I'm, I'm struggling with some of that, but come on. I've read the last chapter. <laughs> we win, we win. I'm telling you, we win. <laughs> We start acting like winners. They're looking like a winner. Amen. Yes, <laughs> it's a thing of joy. Old songwriter said it well. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. <laughs> Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, his child and forever I am. Come on, if you can't smile when you sing that song, are you saved? I really question whether you are. It's a thing of joy. I got to wrap up here. It's a thing of deliverance, as we've already mentioned. Look at verse number two again, the last part. He is also, he also is become my salvation. Now I know a spiritual deliverance. I'm delivered from a place called hell. Yeah, thank you. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. I, I'm de- Someone said, well, the only reason I got saved was to get, keep from going to hell. That's a pretty good motivator. I got to tell you, that's a pretty good reason to get saved. But I tell you, I got saved at eight years of age. Thank God, I got saved from a lot of other junk. <laughs> Some of you got saved later in life. Come on, help me here. Wish I'd have got saved young. Yeah. Could have spared me a lot of grief and hardship. I'm thankful I got saved, eight-year-old boy. <laughs> my dad's a deacon. My, my mom was a church secretary. and My brother's a preacher now, and I'm a preacher. I'm telling you, praise all. It's good. It's good stuff. He saved me from a lot of junk. Oh, I'm, I'm, come on, I got warts and knots and I've made my mistakes. But thank God, there's a lot by God's grace I was taught to avoid and I praise God I did. <laughs> I think back sometimes, by God's grace, he painted me in a corner and kind of kept me from myself. But thank God he did. <laughs> saved me from all that. It's a thing of deliverance. <clears throat> and here's where I'll end up. Look at verse number four. This salvation that we have, I call it this, is a thing of declaration. A thing we ought to be ready and anxious to declare. In that day shall ye say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Come on, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, tell somebody about it. Do you know God has invested in you? Do you know if we're not responsible as a child of God to tell somebody else about their need? 
You say, well, I don't, I don't know a lot about the Bible. Come on, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest theologians of all time, you follow his message. You know what primarily he preached? Let me tell you what happened to me when I was on my way to Damascus. Primarily, that's what he preached. Come on, God's invested in you a testimony that nobody else has. It's yours alone. Nobody can tell it like you can tell it. But you ought to be telling it. There's what I call Dead Sea Christians. Familiar with the Dead Sea? You know why it's called the Dead Sea? Well, it's dead. <laughs> well, it is, yeah. There's, it's so salty. There's so many minerals. Nothing can live in it. But one of the reasons it's called the Dead Sea is because everything that runs into it ends there. You may have heard of the Jordan River. You know the Jordan River is the primary tributary into the Dead Sea? But do you know there's no outlet of the Dead Sea? Everything comes in, dies there. It ends there. God forbid that we got Christians, that God has allowed some of the greatest blessings and truths to come into our lives. And we, hello, hello, it's a no-brainer. We're supposed to give because it's been given to us. We're supposed to share because it's been shared with us. We're, we're supposed to tell others because it's been told to us. Aren't you thankful somebody told you? Then you're an ingrate. I'll say it again. You're an ingrate. If it stops with you and you're silent about it, you're an ingrate. <laughs> I'm telling you. You're supposed to be declaring it. Why would you not want to? Hey, hey, friend, let me tell you, I found something. I got to tell you, changed my life. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's been such a blessing to me. It's given me such a peace. I, I, look, I'm thinking by now the guy's saying, what? <laughs> you think? What? Well, thanks for asking, let me tell you. Come on, it isn't hard. It isn't hard. Just share your heart. It's something you need to declare. It's something God intends to be declared. How shall they hear without a preacher? <laughs> Come on, folks. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. 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 If you're saved and you're glad about it, say amen. amen. If you're saved, what are you doing about it? <laughs> You ought to be thanking the Lord every day. Yep. You ought to be purposing to follow the Lord every day. You ought to have in your heart a desire to please the Lord every day. You ought to have in your heart that others would know the same Lord you know and all the blessings that you've experienced right. every day. Good. For his glory, for our good. That's good for his glory, for our good. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for the declaration that Isaiah made as he contemplated all the blessings. In a prophetic sense, he knew they were yet to come, but he was so excited about them, he couldn't keep it to himself. He said, I've got to write a psalm. And he began to rejoice in the Lord and started with and really focused upon that it's rooted in salvation that God provides. He's the deliverer. He's the provider. Because of his mercy and his grace and his goodness. And oh how we all ought to be ready to rejoice in that. 
Maybe there's someone here today who's never acted upon it. Oh, they may have heard about it. They've heard about it again here today. For whatever reason, they've not acted upon it. Lord, I pray that as I mentioned a moment ago, it wouldn't be a fear or intimidation because of the conditions, but rather not caring at all what men think. They would care most of all what you think. And that you've said today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. That if anyone would hear your voice, that they'd open the door of their heart and they'd act upon it today. And so I pray you'd impress that upon their heart more than anything else, that they'd purpose to take your invitation and please you by doing so. Come and ask, as the old Philippian jailer did so many years ago, what must I do to be saved? Oh, God, we're so thankful you got the answer to that. You're the Redeemer. You're the Deliverer. You're the Savior. You're ready and willing to provide all of that and more if they would but come. For those that are saved, Lord, again, help us not to be a Dead Sea Christian. Help us not to be an ingrate. Oh, God, help us to be a voice. Help us to be an agent, a missionary, an emissary, an instrument that you would use to communicate that message that Jesus does save. Oh, God, help us to share that message today. Our country is in desperate need of Christians that will step up to their place of responsibility. Help us to do so, I pray. Speak to hearts now. Accomplish your will in each life. And I'll thank you for it. I'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.